Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. I want you to grab your Bibles and I want you to go to the book of Joshua chapter 6. Go to Joshua chapter 6. As you're going there, why don't you look at the person you're sitting next to and tell them you look fantastic this Sunday. Smile at somebody next to you. Tell them they look good today. In the front row, we have our pastor from Calvary, Havana. Pastor Ricardo Bissett is in the building. And uh, always good to see you, my brother. I love him. Joshua chapter 6. Look at the person on the other side, the person you first ignored. Tell them that they look pretty good as well. Smile at somebody. Want to welcome everybody watching on Calvary Church online. I love it. Joshua chapter 6. We just uh, finished last week when the people of God crossed over the Jordan River. And now they are on the promised land and they are facing a fortified city, a walled city called Jericho. Somebody say Jericho. And so today we're going to see what happens in chapter 6 as they are facing Jericho. Joshua chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to put it up on the screens. And uh, if you're watching online, we'll put it up on your screen as well. You can share with the person you're sitting next to. Today's just been an awesome day. What a Sunday. What an incredible Sunday. So many people making a decision to follow Jesus. So many people making a decision to join Dream Team and build the church of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I love Sundays at Calvary Church. They've been amazing. And so let's believe that God wants to speak to us over the next several moments here together. And we're going to have an incredible Sunday afternoon. Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6, the fourth part. If you're there, can you say amen one more time? Beginning to read in verse 1, the word of the Lord says this. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and its mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city. And all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times. And the priest shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout and the wall of the city will fall down flat and the people shall go up everyone straight before him i love chapter six is it an incredible book we're going to pause on verse six and this week we're going to read it together as a church family through our study Today, let's talk about what happens when they are up against Jericho. On part four, as we're reading and studying this book, the people of God, they're up against this fortified city. God gives them instructions on how they are to overcome or conquer this city. Let's talk about it over the next several moments and minutes and believe that God's word is going to speak to us here today. Amen. Today, I want to talk to you from this title, The Walls Are Coming Down. The walls are coming down. Come on, why don't you look at three, four people around you and tell them the walls are coming down. The walls are coming down. 
Let's pray and then let's believe that God's going to speak to us here today. Whether you're here in person or watching online, believe that God's going to speak to us and we're going to leave better than how we came in. Amen. The walls are coming down in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your word. Thank you for each and every single person, every service that's gathered, every person that's come in, every person that's connected here and around the world. Thank you for this household of faith. Thank you for this family called Calvary, the church that you're building, God. And today we're believing that you're bringing down walls, God, in our hearts, in our lives, in our city, around the world. God, help us learn and lean into this book as we grow and mature in our faith. God, we thank you and we love you. Speak to us. Help us to see you better. Thank you for loving people like us, Lord. We give you all of the praise, all of the honor, and all of the glory. And all of God's people say? Amen. Oh, come on. All of God's people say? Amen. Can you make some noise for Jesus one more time, 1 p.m.? Come on. Pablo Casals was one of the world's greatest cello players. He was world-renowned. He played the cello like nobody else. He was absolutely incredible, recognized as the best cello player that ever lived. In fact, when he was 93 years old, they said that Pablo Casals was still practicing to play the cello six hours a day. And 93 years of age, he would get into a room and he would practice his instrument six hours. They got to interview him and speak to him and talk to him. And at one point they asked him, at 93 years of age, why do you still think it's required to practice six hours a day? And Pablo said, well, I think, I believe, it's because I'm making progress. <laughs> he believed that after decades of playing this instrument, after he was a teacher, a professor, a conductor, after he had done multiple recordings, he had played in the White House, he had played in palaces, he had played in front of prime ministers and presidents. After all this work of decades, he still needed to put in practice because there was still progress to be made. I really believe that Pablo Casal's life showed us that you can want greatness, but you also have to be willing to put in greatness. A lot of times, a lot of us, we want greatness in life, but are we willing to bring greatness and participate in all that God wants to do in our life? We've been reading this account of the people of God, and in fact, if you've been with us since the beginning of the year, we've actually talked about their journey all the way from the Old Testament, the book of Exodus, as they left Egypt, they traveled through the desert and walked through the promised land. And we've talked about how Moses was the old leader and he was leading this old generation that was full of non-believers. They all left Egypt and as they were crossing through the desert to the promised land, somewhere in the middle they started to give up their faith. And instead of uh, wanting to believe all of God's promises, they began to complain. They began to murmur. They began to have a negative spirit and negative talk and they began to criticize Moses and they began to murmur and they had this bad attitude and this bad spirit. And how many of you know the way you carry yourself can also determine what comes into your life? 
the attitude that you have and how you're willing to participate. A lot of us, we want greatness and they want to believe that God was going to do awesome things in their life. But instead of uh, speaking and praying and believing, they began to murmur and complain. And why did Moses ever take us out of Egypt? We had burgers and hot dogs and steaks in Egypt. They wanted pickles and onions. Read Exodus. That's literally what it says. They wanted to go back to Egypt because they had nothing but manna in the desert. And they started to complain and murmur. And they started to say, who did Moses think he is leading us in this hot, dry desert? I've been sweating all day. And we ran out of deodorant. And everybody stinks up in here. And it's been a long time running. And they put this negative spirit. But the way that you carry yourself will determine if God's promises will come. Because we stop speaking the same way that God speaks over our life. God speaks blessings. And God speaks hope and a future. But if you're not careful, negative talk and negative thinking and faithless thinking will come into your spirit. And all of a sudden, you're not believing God for all he wants to do in your family, in your marriage, in the future with the hope that he has. And instead of speaking how God speaks, we begin to speak how the world speaks. And I don't know if God can do it. And I don't believe if God is able. And we stop participating in our faith and believing God with his word. In fact, I believe the challenge is that we have high expectations, but very low participation. We wake up in the morning and instead of having high expectancy and high faith, we, we say, I don't know if God's able to turn this marriage around and I don't know if God's able to turn this situation. I don't know if God can really use my church to reach a city and I don't know if God can use my little life and my little money to make a difference in the world. We have high expectations. We want God to move, to save, to heal, to restore, but we participate very little with our faith. We don't worship the same. We don't pray the same. We don't speak the same as God speaks. And I believe God is looking for some people that say, wait, I believe my God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all I can ask, think, or imagine. I'm going to have faith. I may not see it, but I'm going to believe God's word. Come on, anybody with me today? But so many times, it's the obstacles in our life that stop us from participating in all that God wants to do. I believe there's people here today or watching online. There's obstacles. There's walls in front of you. And you're trying to believe God for a restoration of marriage, but the walls are too big. You're trying to believe God for freedom from an addiction or a bad habit, but the walls seem too big. And I'm always going to be stuck in this vice and this addiction and this bad habit in this sin life and this bondage. I'm believing God to restore the marriage, but I think it's too big. And I think the problem is too great. I'm believing for God to turn around my finances, but I've been like this for too long, and there's no way I'm ever going to get out. I'm believing God for a new season of my life, but I've been single for too long, and I don't know if God can do it, or I don't know if God can fix and heal relationships. The walls are too big, and we start to lose faith, and we stop participating in what God wants to do in our life. But I came to tell the enemy that the walls are coming down in the name of Jesus. God is looking for a church to stand up and believe his word and say, the walls will come down. I will be free of this addiction. God can heal me. God God can deliver me. God can turn it around. Oh, come on. Anybody want to participate in God's word? I want to speak like God, think like God, move like God, look like Jesus, speak like Jesus, love like Jesus. Come on. I want to be full of his spirit. The walls are coming down. Somebody say the walls are coming down. I know you've been in bondage for too long, but the walls are coming down. I know the sickness has been around for a long time, but the walls are coming down. I know it looks like nobody wants to hear about Jesus, but I came to say the walls are coming down and that the Spirit of God wants to do something fresh and new in our family, in our marriages. The walls, they got to come down in Jesus' name. And I believe that no matter what may be in front of you, greater is he who's with you than he who's in the world. 
The walls are coming down. Now, I do believe we need to participate, and God wants to do great things, but we got to come with a great faith and great attitude and say, God, help me to think like you. Help me to submit to what you want to do. And I believe that as God wants to do great things in our life, he begins to take us through a process where he says, okay, let me bring some holiness into your life and let me take out some of that negative thinking, toxic thinking, and let me take away some of those bad relationships in your life and I'm going to surround you with accountability and I'm going to surround you with godly people in your life. In fact, I put it this way, submit to the process in order to walk in the promise. If you, want, if you want to walk in the promises that God has for you, can you submit to the process that God wants to put you through? Where he might take you through a desert. He might take you through a wilderness. He might actually talk to you and, and lead you into something and say, I'm trying to make you better. I'm trying to mature you in your faith. And as you submit to the Holy Spirit, wanting to increase something on the inside of you to look more like Jesus, you'll begin to walk in the promises of God. And I'm telling you, there's a hope, there's a future, there's plans and purposes that God has for you. And as you say, God, take me through the process, you'll begin to walk in the promises of God. There's greatness, but we got to come with greatness. God, I'm going to believe and I'm going to have faith and I'm going to expect that you're able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all I can ask, think, or imagine. Can I get an amen? amen. Today, I believe he wants all of us to walk in the promises and I think we can learn from Joshua chapter 6 a whole lot. Joshua chapter 6 is an absolutely incredible part of the book. In fact, if you've been here for the last several weeks, every chapter seems like it's full of action. This is a crazy book. Last week, he opened up a river, and they crossed a river that was a mile wide. And it was absolutely incredible how God parted the river, and they were able to walk on dry ground. Finally, we see that they get to the promised land. They are now standing after years and years and years of walking through the desert, they find him now on the promised land. The dream is happening. What you spoke to Abraham hundreds of years ago, we are now standing in it. It's a beautiful picture that God is a God who fulfills promises. And today, just them standing in the promised land, I hope it brings some faith on the inside of you that God is not a liar and he never goes back on his word. It may take some time, but God will always fulfill his promises. Now, as they're standing in the promised land, you would think that everything is going to be amazing and that everything is going to go lovely and they're going to have no problems. But as soon as they step over into the promised land, they are met with Jericho. Somebody say Jericho. Jericho is a fortified city. Jericho is a walled city. And inside the city walls are people that are evil, people that are wicked. A lot of times we think that we're going to walk in God's promises and never encounter any kind of obstacles. Well, this must be not God's plan for my life because I'm having all this trouble. Who says that God's promises come without trouble? Every single time God wants to take you into a new phase of your life, you're going to encounter all kind of trouble. And if you can keep your eyes on Jesus and know that he already overcame the enemy, you'll be able to continue to walk in the promise. And here they are now facing the walls of Jericho. Now, I believe that they had a faith that was ready to overcome because they had just finished crossing the Jordan River. They just finished walking on dry ground. In fact, I believe they had fresh faith. Somebody say fresh faith. fresh faith. 
See, I really believe that some of us, the reason we have a faltering faith or a weak faith is because we have a forgetful faith. We forget all that God has done in our life. And so when we encounter walls, we have a faith that is weak. And we say, I don't know if God can do it. But if we wake up every single day and we have a fresh faith, we'll say, wait, if God did this yesterday, then surely he can do this today. But we need a fresh faith on the inside. Are you hearing me? They had just crossed the Jordan. So they said, if God can dry up a river, for sure God can take down these walls. I think some of us, we forget what God has done in our life. It's easy to forget all that God has done in our life. You go through Instagram for five minutes, and you'll begin to forget all that God has done in your life. You'll be like, oh, my God, look at this couple. They got a brand new car. It's an SUV. Oh, my God, it has a third row seat. Oh, my God, look at this couple on vacation. Look at this marriage. They, they just took a selfie. They look like they're phenomenal. She has no wrinkles. How do, I got a bunch of wrinkles. How, how does this happen? And you'll begin to miss out on all that God is doing in your life because you're busy looking at somebody else's life. And you'll stop counting all the miracles that God has done in your life. But I think if you wake up every single morning and you say, before I go on the gram, before I go on Facebook, before I go on TikTok, talk, tick, before I do any of that, I'm going to start to count the blessings. You wake up in the morning and you say, wait a minute, I'm alive. I woke up this morning. Some people didn't wake up, but I'm alive. Wait a minute, I got oxygen in my lungs. I'm alive. I'm breathing. I got a voice. Wait a minute, I'm blessed. I got a roof over my head. I got a car. I got a wife. I got a husband. I got relationships. I got mom. I got that. I got somebody in my, anybody got some miracles in their life? Come on, let's start to count our miracles. One, two, three. I'm alive. I got oxygen. I'm breathing. God, I thank you. I'm I may not have the best car, but I got a car to make it to church. I may not have the best situation. I may not have all the money in the world, but I got something. Does somebody got something that they can praise God for? Anybody got a blessing in their life? Anybody thank God that you made it? Anybody thank God that you're alive? Anybody thank God that you're here? Anybody thank God for life? Anybody thank God that you can breathe? Anybody thank God that you can clap and you can shout? There's somebody in the hospital that wish they had your opportunity. There's somebody in the hospital hospital saying if I can just get to church but we're so busy looking at everybody else's blessing we miss out on our own I'm blessed I'm blessed I'm blessed thank you for the miracle thank you that I'm alive thank you that I can worship thank you that I can lift up my voice oh come on look at the person next to you and tell them you got a blessing I got a blessing I guess I woke up <laughs> I don't got a voice like that people that sing up there. Like you got something that you can get God praise for today. I don't have everything, but I got blessings in my life. I got miracles in my life. Come on, some of us know we shouldn't even be here today. Should have died in 93. That backstabbing in 2006. Those people who counted you out. You should have been in a hospital. You should have been dead. But God's mercy and grace got you to the other side of the Jordan. I got fresh faith on the inside. When I think about my miracles, when I think about my blessings, we walk into church and we're like, why are they so loud? Oh, my God, they're worshiping God up there. Like, they are crazy because they got fresh faith. They know they should not have walked in here. But by God's mercy and grace, they can worship. Sometimes we look at somebody's praise and we don't know their trouble and what they went through. And that's why they're praising God that way. And you can call me crazy or I'm shouting too loud, but I just know that I should not be here. But I got fresh faith today because I woke up. I got fresh faith today because I made it through some trouble. Anybody with me today? Tell your neighbor, where's your faith? Get some fresh faith on the inside. 
See, when you got fresh faith, you can face the walls of Jericho. If you got faltering or forgetful faith, you're going to look at those walls and you're going to be like, my, my, my. Moses and Joshua, both wrong. <laughs> but when you got fresh faith, you're like, wait a minute, he just opened up the Red Sea. He can bring down these walls. They cross over the Jordan. They are now facing Jericho, this fortified city. It is shut down because of the people of God. They don't want to hear the people of God. They don't want to hear the message of the people of God. They don't want to know nothing about God and the people of God, the God that they serve. And God gives them a strategic plan on how they are to overcome this city. Now, I want you to follow me for a second. I really think that the book of Joshua is profound, and I really think it's prophetic. The book of Joshua, I told you, it reflects the book of Ephesians in the New Testament. Because what Joshua is taking them to literally, physically, the Bible says in the book of uh, Ephesians that we have a promised land spiritually. And it says for us to overcome and conquer and get all the blessings that God has for us. They were walking in promises physically. We have, wa- we have blessings and promises to walk on spiritually. Are you following me? The book of Ephesians begins to call out all the things that God has given us in Christ Jesus, that we are forgiven, that we are redeemed, that we are adopted, that we are in him, that we've been saved, that we've been delivered, that we sit now with Christ Jesus. Come on, the book of Ephesians is beautiful. But I also think that the book of Joshua gives us a picture, a prophetic picture of the book of Revelation. And I think that John, as he wrote down the book of Revelation, he had Joshua in mind because what Joshua came to do is what Jesus is going to do cosmically at the end of age. Let me explain it to you. Joshua, we said that Joshua, if you say his name in the Hebrew language, it is pronounced Yeshua, which is the name of Jesus, Yeshua. So Joshua is the Old Testament picture of Jesus who looks at this fortified city And as the people of God are walking around, I believe that in time, John, he writes in Revelation about seven trumpets that are going to blow by angels. And the people walking around are the church of Jesus Christ, proclaiming who God is, teaching the world about who God is, telling the gospel. And as we do that, one day the Bible says that Babylon will fall and the people of God and Jesus will rule and reign forever. And it's what happens in the book of Joshua chapter 6. Babylon, uh, Jericho represents as Babylon. Jericho falls. Literally, the walls fall. And what God says in 6 chapters, uh, verses 1 through 5, is what happens at the end of 6. And they walk in, and it says, and Joshua is honored in the sight of all people. And I believe at the end of time, Babylon will fall. This great city will fall. And Jesus will rule and reign forever. And he'll be honored in front of all of God's people. It's a prophetic picture. Are you following me? I believe John was talking about Jerusalem that in AD 7 was destroyed and then the gospel came in and went out all over the world. But I also think it's talking about the end of time. Babylon, talking about it in the New Testament, in the book of Revelation, Babylon represents the city of man. It literally represents the world. That's what it means. Babylon is the world and its system. And I believe that the people marching around in Joshua chapter 6 is the church of Jesus Christ. Surrounded by God's angels, we march around God's, um, we march around Babylon, which is the world system. We proclaim the gospel. We sing praises. We tell Babylon there's a greater kingdom. There's a greater leader named Jesus Christ. As we are sounding the trumpets, as we are walking around daily, I believe that God is on the move. 
I believe that the modern-day Jericho, Babylon, this man-made city that we see in the world, in the world that we live in, it is full of evil and wickedness. And us, the church of Jesus Christ, we are to proclaim and preach who Jesus is. Now, as we march around, when we gather, we're marching. When we sing, we're marching. When we preach, we're proclaiming. By the way, the preacher's not the only one who preach. Your life preaches more Monday through Saturday in the way you live, in the way you love, in the way you serve one another. As we do this life, I believe the world and its system, Babylon, is looking, hearing us, and some will be saved. In fact, later on in the chapter, when the city gets knocked down, the Bible says the only one that was saved was Rahab, her family, and all that were in her household. Now, follow me. I think that Rahab was looking out the window. Her house was on the wall, and there was a window. And I believe that she invited perhaps family and friends. And as they looked at the people of God marching, some said, I believe in the God of Israel. I believe as the church is proclaiming, some people will say, I believe in that God. I don't want to be part of Babylon, the world, and his system anymore. I want to serve King Jesus. Now, now modern day Jericho, this Babylon type figure, the world and his system is full of evilness and wickedness. All you need to do is turn on the TV for five minutes and you'll see how wicked our world is. Yesterday we turned on the news and we see what happened in Buffalo and we're praying for the city of Buffalo and the people of Buffalo where a young man lost his mind, decided to grab some guns, decided to go down to a grocery store and literally start killing people all because they had a different color skin than him. That's demonic, evil, wicked. That's racism, and that, 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 that does not exist in God's kingdom. Our world is sick. It is evil. It is wicked. We're murdering people left and right, taking lives. Not only are we taking lives outside by murder, I also believe that we have doctors today performing abortions. We're killing babies in the womb, and we're calling it health care. It is not health care. It is murder. And I believe God cares about every life from the womb to the tomb. And I believe the church of Jesus Christ needs to stand up and march and proclaim. Now, all of us are sinners, and all of us were part of this Babylon worldly system. And all of us have murdered people, maybe not physically, but in our mind. All of us have lusted. All of us have cheated. But thank God for his grace that he pulled us out of Babylon, and he's made us now forgiven grace. Come on, anybody thankful for God's grace? Sinners saved by grace. And so if anybody here watching, you've messed up, you've, you've done something wrong, don't you feel guilty? I want you to actually sense the conviction of the Holy Spirit saying there's much more for you. God loves you more than you can imagine. Our world is full of wickedness, evil. They're trying to confuse our kids in school. They're trying to teach them something anti-Christ. And I believe the church of Jesus Christ has to march around the city. And the way we march is in the way we love in the way we forgive, in the way we serve, in the way we proclaim. Never judgmental, but saying there's a greater kingdom that you can serve. It's not Babylon, it's not Jericho, it's King Jesus and his unshakable kingdom. The book of Joshua chapter 6, I love it because they cross over the Jordan and they see this fortified, wicked, evil city and God says, I want to do something. I want you to participate with me in this miracle. Whenever God does a miracle, I love it that he calls us to participate with him. 
Let's finish with these three application points. And th I believe this is something we see in Joshua chapter 6 that we can all take away and we can learn from. Joshua chapter 6, the first thing that God does is that God invites us to work with him. Somebody say work. Can you say it a little bit louder? Somebody say work. God invites his people to work with him. He goes, I got a strategy. This is how we're going to take down Jericho. I want you and all the people, the priests to go forward, the trumpets to go before, the Ark of the Covenant in the middle, the people in the back. And I want you to march around the city for six days. And on the seventh day, I want you to go around the city seven times. Now, God could have brought down Jericho on day one with no marching, no trumpets, no nothing. But he invites us to walk with him in the miracle. Because God is a God who doesn't need our help, but decides to use our help. Are you hearing me? God doesn't need me or you. He doesn't need our tithe. He doesn't need our worship. He doesn't need anything. But God says, let's do this together. God is a God of collaboration. Now, can we participate? A lot of us, we want great things for our city. God, I want you to move in our city. God, take care of the homeless problem in our city. God, take care of all those single mothers in our city. We want greatness, but are we willing to participate in greatness? I just don't want greatness. I'm going to bring greatness. I'm going to bring my faith. I'm going to bring my service. I'm going to bring all that God has given me, my gift, my talent. I'm going to bring it and put it in God's hands, and he'll use it in a mighty way. Are you hearing me, church? The other day, me and Diana were driving down one of these streets down here down south, and, and we get to a red light. We stop there for a few moments. The light turns green, and when the light turns green, the car in front of us doesn't move. And we're like, what's going on? The girl jumps out of her car in front of us. She jumps out of her car and she goes rushing to the car right next to her. That's not moving either. And she starts pounding on the window. And all of a sudden she says, call 911. And then I was like, oh my God, Diana grabs her phone and she calls 911. I jump out of the car, go running. Go running to where she is. And we see that the guy that was driving, he was an elderly man and he's non-responsive. And so we both start hitting the window and this one guy comes with me, and we're both about to break the window. When we're about to break the window, the elderly man, he wakes up. The ambulance gets there about a minute later, and he was out of it. He was so disoriented. The guy was out of it. We got to find out later he has a condition. He needed help, and he kept falling asleep everywhere. He was actually going through some problems. But I started thinking about that this week, and I started thinking, thank God that this girl didn't just see a problem and ignore the problem, but she actually addressed the problem. Imagine she would have said, whoa, something's wrong with that guy. Let me put the car and drive and let me just go. But she said, hold on, th there's a problem. I need to get out of the car and address the problem. I don't want to be a church that just sees the problem and just sends thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers are needed. And we're a praying church. We gather every first Wednesday to worship and to pray. But I just don't think that the world needs thoughts and prayers. The world needs action. The world needs collaboration. The world needs all of us to come together to say, I just don't see homelessness, but let's take blankets, let's take food, let's take deodorant, let's take toothpaste. I just don't see the problem of single mother. We're going to go and fill the refrigerator. We're going to go give them a check. We're going to make sure they're good. I just don't see a problem, but I want to address the problem. Come on, let's be the church that we get. We be the hands and feet of Jesus. I just don't see it. I want to address it. I just don't want to see kids that are homeless. I want to go and teach them, lead them. Anybody with me? Come on, God says, walk with me work with me I want to use the church of Jesus Christ to make a difference come on we have a big vision we have a big God but I want to bring my big faith and I want to walk with God and work with God and say God use me for your kingdom and for your glory he calls us to work with him I love what Pastor Rick Warren says Pastor Rick Warren said this about our lives he says the number one reason Christians don't share Christ with others is that they are too preoccupied with themselves. Woo! 
The reason we don't help or share or talk is because we're thinking about our life. Imagine God says, here's how you take Jericho. Let me give you a plan. All of you guys march around. Worship me as you walk around. And imagine there are some people in the group that are like, God, I would, but I twisted my ankle yesterday as we were crossing the Jordan. It's crazy. I can't even walk anymore. And my, my wife, I don't know, she, she just has these headaches, migraines. She doesn't feel like going eat. We're just going to chill here. You guys walk around and say, we're just saying, no walls are coming down that way. But when you say, I got all these issues in my life, but I'm going to bring faith. I'm going to bring expectancy. I'm going to bring my shout. I'm going to bring my faith. I'm going to believe that God is able. I know I got issues in my life, but God is calling me to collaborate with him. Are you with me, church? Come on. Anybody got a shout in here that said, I'm going to shout till the walls come down. I'm going to march until the walls come down. I'm going to believe God that the walls are coming down and the gospel will go. If you believe it, can you give God a big shout today in the afternoon? Come on. Oh, I got a shout on the inside. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. As each has received the gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Number one, work with God. God says, I want you to work with me. God, you want me to go around the city? I'll go around the city. Now, imagine walking around the city. And, and I think, you know, I don't know, but, but if I was there... On day one, I would have a lot of faith. Let's go. We're going to march around the city. Jericho's coming down. I just saw Jordan open. Woo! This is going to be amazing. Day two. All right, here we go again. Yeah, I think Joshua. Joshua, this is a good plan. Let's walk around the city. Good plan. Yeah, I'm going to praise. I'm going to worship. Day three. Joshua, what, what are we doing today? Joshua, Joshua, what are we doing today? Just keep walking around. Oh, I, don't know if, I don't know if Joshua has a good plan anymore. God, this is getting pointless. I'm just walking around. Day four, Joshua, what are we doing today? Walk, walk around the city. We did that for three days. Ain't nothing happened. Not one thing. Not one brick fell. Not one wall fell. Not what. And here's what we got to learn, that as we walk, God works. As we do the natural, God does the supernatural. God hasn't called us to take care of the outcome. He's called us to take care of obedience. And as we are obedient, he'll take care of the outcome. He didn't say to bring down the walls. He said, just walk. Today, can you keep serving? Can you keep believing? Can you keep building? Can you keep collaborating with God? I'm going to keep worshiping. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep fasting. I'm just walking. I'm just walking. I may not see a miracle yet, but I'm walking. Come on, anybody in here today that you're saying, God, use me as I walk, as I pray, as I work in my child. As I lead a good life, God, use me. I believe that the walls will come down eventually. Not on my time, but on God's time. I'll just walk. God, you work. I'll just walk. Come on, God is looking for his church to walk and believe and to serve and to love. City care is coming up. Let's go feed our city. Come on, we're going to worship and pray. We're going to sing. We're going to shout until God does the miracle. And walking may seem pointless, but number one, he calls us to walk with him. Number two, he calls us to wait on him. Ooh, walking around the city for seven days and on the seventh day, seven times. It may seem pointless, but God does something while we're waiting. And I believe he was working in the heart of the people of God, and I believe he was working on the heart of the people of Babylon, Jericho. I believe as Rahab and the whole family are looking out the window, they're saying they serve a different God. Look how they keep shouting. Look how they keep praising. Look how they keep praying. And as the people of God were walking around, they began to see the size of the miracle God was about to do. Anytime God has you in a waiting place, know that he's trying to show you something. He's trying to work out patience. By the way, God is a patient God. 
The Bible says in the book of Peter, don't think that God is slow in his promises, but he's patient because of his grace and his kindness. God, why are you taking so long to turn this around? Because he's being grateful. He's being patient. He's a God of promises. He's also working patience in you to trust him, to follow him, to look to him. He's saying, can you keep serving even when the miracle doesn't come in on your time? Can you keep walking even when it looks like nothing is happening? I've seen people give up on the fifth try and the sixth try. And they've walked around for way too long and they're saying, God, this was great. Seven, seven days, that's awesome. But on day five, I'm getting a little tired. And I've been serving for a long time. And this street team, there's a whole lot of cars to park. And I ain't seen one miracle. And these kids to take care of back here, God, I don't know. But some of them, I, I'm convinced they're possessed. God, God, I'm not... God, you got me opening up doors, but I have no idea. But, but you see what happens is as we wait on God and we keep walking, you also start watching miracles happen right before your eyes. Some of us serving, we've seen miracles happen right before our eyes. I'm not talking about in a service. Sometimes we think it's the end of the service for a salvation call, and that's when you see the miracle. I've seen people receive Jesus Christ in the parking lot. I've seen people receive Jesus Christ in kids' ministry. I've seen people receive Jesus Christ serving on team with production next to a computer. And somebody just invited them to be part of Dream Team. And as they started serving God was working. As they were walking, God began to work the miracle in their life. Come on, anybody thankful that as we wait, God moves. Today, maybe you used to serve on team. Maybe you used to believe big things for your life and for your marriage. And you had great, great participation. But your faith has gone down and you've given up on the miracles. Look what the Bible says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let's do good to everyone, especially to those who are the household of faith. Come on, somebody, don't give up. Wait on God because the walls are coming down. The walls are coming down. I believe they're coming down in our city. Here's the beautiful thing. As we walk with God and we build his church, he builds our life. I know we can go around this room, we can go around dream team, people serving in every single area. And everybody has a story of how as we served God and we, we became a part of building God's kingdom in this city, God turned around and began to do miracles in our life. That's just the way God works. It's a supernatural thing. Number one, work with God. Number two, wait on God. And number three, we'll finish with this as the band comes up, win with God. Win with God. I think our world, if, if we were to look at our world today, everybody wants to win. Everybody's trying to win. Everybody wants to win something. We want to win the championship trophies. We want to win, by the way, the Heat are about to win, I believe it. And the Panthers. It's the Heat and Panthers bringing trophies. But everybody wants to be first in their job and their calling and their profession. And everybody wants to win. I want to have the biggest salary and the biggest cars. And we all want to win, and winning is great. That's awesome. But, but the Bible says, what good is it to win the whole world and yet lose your soul? You know what I've noticed? It's better to win with the people of God marching than to win in Jericho losing. Losing all your possessions, losing all your family, losing all that you worked hard for because Jericho or the world system, Babylon, is temporary and fleeting. One day it will all crumble. The same way Jericho fell is the same way that Jerusalem fell. The same way that Rome fell. The same way that the Soviet Union fell. The same way that all nations and empires eventually crumble and fall. 
But this is why we don't serve an empire. We serve an unshakable kingdom. And I don't want to win for an earthly kingdom. I want to win for a heavenly kingdom. And winning on that side is better than anything else in this world. It's better than anything we could strive for here on this side and give up family life and give up peace and give up hope just to strive to win on this side for, for what? I don't know about you, but I want to work with God. I want to wait on God, but I also want to win with God. God, I don't want to win in this life without you. Help me to win with you. Some of you here today, you, you thought you were winning in life, but you've lost so much because of it. And I really believe that today God wants you to win with him. And the result, what you will win with God, is far beyond anything that this world can give you. I'll finish with this. Revelation chapter 21, verses 6 and 7. The end of time. I love this. Then he said to me, all is done. He says, I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I'll give freely give water from the life-giving spring. Those who emerge victorious, they'll inherit these things. I'll be their God, and they will be my sons and daughters. At the end, winning with God means he's your God and you're his child. And can I tell you, that's above anything else you could win in this world. Living in Jericho, they thought they were living in a fortified city. They, had, they were winning in life. But all that came crumbling down. At the end, the one who won was Joshua, Joshua, King Jesus, who will win at the end of time. Today, we want great results in our marriages. We want great results in our personal lives. We want great results in our city we want great results in our church, but are we willing to bring greatness? Are we willing to participate in God's kingdom and say, God, I just don't want to see greatness. I want to participate. I want to walk. I want to work. I want to be with you, King Jesus. I want to walk around the city and show your love and your mercy and your grace. We do that here at Calvary through Dream Team. We have about nine different teams on a Sunday that make a massive difference. It's one way that we serve and love our city in fact, I want everybody to look on their seats, and on their seats there's these small little cards. And I want everybody to grab a card if you can. Grab a card. Today's Team Fest, and it's literally celebrating our collaboration with God. God doesn't need our help, but He invites us to come alongside of Him and work with Him and walk with Him. On this card, you're going to see that there's nine different teams. There's a Connect Team, Hospitality Team, Kids Team, Safety Team, Youth Team, Excellence Host, Production, Worship. In fact, if you're watching online or if you want to do it di digitally, there's also different ways that you can do it. We're going to put a text number that you can text, 33222, or you can scan the QR code that's on the screens if you want to do it through your phone. But today, maybe you're in here and you're saying, you know what, I've been wanting greatness. I've been wanting to see problems, but, but maybe perhaps in my own life I've ignored it and I haven't participated. I haven't collaborated with God. Can I tell you, there's so much opportunity for you to walk with God, work with God here on a Sunday Last week, we had almost 1,100 people coming through these doors and one of our highest Sundays since the beginning of the year. And it takes a whole lot to show our city love and the people love. Maybe today you're saying, you know what, I'm going to get involved and I'm just not going to keep looking. I'm going to start participating. Because I know that if I want greatness, I got to bring greatness. If we want to see a city transformed through the love of Jesus and we want to see the walls come down, can I tell you, it's going to be a team effort. It's us working with God and God working with us.
I don't know about you, but I want to see the walls in our city come down. I want to see walls of ignorance and walls of sin and walls of addiction and walls of homelessness. I want to see them come down. I want to see walls of divorce and I want to see walls of bondage and I want to see all these walls of grief and disease and I want to see all these walls of confusion. I want to see them come down, but I know God is calling a people to work together until the walls come down. I'm going to ask you to fill out that card. and If you feel led, like this is my next step. God is calling me to step up somewhere. Some of you, you have a gift. You have a calling. You know what it is. Maybe you're really good at this one thing. You've been sensing it for a while, but you haven't taken this next step in your life. I'm going to ask you to take that next step right now. Grab a pen. Ask your neighbor for a pen. Fill it out. After service, there's a big tent outside. and In that tent, we have all the teams out there represented. I want you to take that card out there. Or if you do it digitally, you can go out there and talk to the leader of that team. Come on, I believe that the vision and the dream is so big that it's it takes more than one person. Come on, let's collaborate with God and say, God, let's bring these walls down. Amen? Come on, let's stand up to our feet. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Church, here's what I know. We're living in modern-day Babylon. We're living in the midst of Jericho and there's a whole lot of walls up around our city. And people are building their life on a whole lot of other things. But can I say something? The church of Jesus Christ, we're going to build our life on the rock that is King Jesus. Come on. And as we proclaim who Jesus is, we believe that walls come down. Today, maybe there's walls in your own heart, in your own life. Maybe there's walls of addiction. Maybe there's walls of bondage, walls of bad habit and sin. I want us to sing this song one more time and then we're going to pray it. I'm believing that today, I don't know, maybe there's a wall of fear. Maybe there's a wall of something, of sin separating you from all that God has for you. Come on, let's build our life on Him. and Say, God, I'm leaving Jericho and I'm joining God's people. Come on, when we lift up our hands and declare, I will build my life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We give you all the worship, all the glory, all the honor, God. Help us to build our life on the rock that is Jesus. Hallelujah.
with every hand lifted, every eye closed. Father, we build our life on you. Help us not to live for the fleeting things of this world. Holy Spirit, I pray that you come through this place, opening up our eyes, that we build our life on the solid rock that is Jesus. That our eyes are open to see the world in his system, to see the depravity, the wickedness, the evilness, to see the need, and to not just see the need and ignore it, but to address it. People who are building their lives on the sand. Today, Jesus, be magnified. Jesus, be exalted. We lift up the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody, begin to lift up the name. Come on, somebody, begin to lift up the name of Jesus. God, you say in your word that if we magnify you and lift you up, you'll draw men unto you. And so we don't lift up the name of a church. We don't lift up the name of an organization, a government, a president, or a prime minister. But we lift up the name of King Jesus. Jesus be magnified. Come on, somebody begin to lift up your voice. Just lift up the name of Jesus. Jesus be magnified. Jesus be exalted in our city, in our world, in the streets, God, in our workplaces, in our marriages. Jesus be magnified. Jesus, show your glory. Jesus, we pray that we may look like you and talk like you and think like you and love like you, to serve like you, Jesus. Jesus, help us to show the city around us who you are, your goodness, your faithfulness. As we build our life upon you, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Joshua chapter 6 also shows us personal Jesus who comes to bring down the walls of our heart. Today, with every eye closed, with every head bowed, if you're in here today and you're saying, I need some walls to come down. Maybe you've heard, you've seen, you've heard about God your whole life, you've heard about Jesus, you've been looking out the window like Rahab and the family. And you've seen the people of God proclaim the praises of God, but you haven't let your walls down. And today you're saying, I, I want to join God's people. Today I need forgiveness. With every eye closed, with every head bowed. Whether you're here watching online, if you feel like you're far from God, you're saying, Alex, I don't have a relationship with God. I feel distant from God. I've done things that nobody knows about. I'm ashamed. I feel guilty. The Bible says that all of us are sinners. There's not one perfect person in this place. We've all sinned. We've all failed. We've all done wrong, thought wrong, said wrong. And our sin separates us from God. But the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whosoever believes in him will not die but have everlasting life. With eyes closed, head bowed. The Bible says Jesus went up on a cross. He died for our sins, went down to a grave for three days. And after three days, Jesus, he resurrected. He's the greater Joshua, the eternal Jesus who one day will rule and reign forever. And the Bible says if you want to be saved, you got to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. With every eye closed, with every head bowed, if today you're in here, you're saying, Alex, I need forgiveness. I need a brand new start. I need a brand new beginning. I would love to pray for you. In a moment of privacy, in a moment of prayer, I'm going to count to three. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand right where you're at. I'm not going to call you out, give you a mic, embarrass you. Nobody looking around, eyes closed, head bowed. 
If you're saying, today I need forgiveness. I've had thoughts, thoughts nobody knows about. I've, I've done th stuff that nobody knows about. I, I, I've sinned and I need forgiveness. I want a relationship with God. At the count of three, you raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand as high as you can, as high as you can. I see you, 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 I see you. God bless you, God bless you. Awesome. Anybody else, you raise your hand as high as you can. You can put your hands down if you're watching online. And you want to make this decision to follow Jesus, let us know in the chats. We've got pastors and leaders there that would love to pray for you. Just send them to the chat. I need this prayer. I'm saying this prayer with Alex. With every eye closed, with every head bowed, I want you to repeat this prayer with me from the bottom of your heart. All of you who raise your hands, say this out loud. In fact, the whole church, we're going to say it together in one voice. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Say, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God, that you died for my sins, and on the third day, you resurrected. Come into my life. Jesus, be my Lord and be my Savior. I'm forgiven, I'm saved, and I'm healed. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Hey, if you raise your hand, we want to say you made the best decision of your life. And to follow Jesus, start a relationship with God. In fact, outside, next to the tent where all the teams are, we have a connect tent. And we want to give you a free Bible. In fact, I don't want you to go home without this Bible in your hands. This Bible is for new Christians, new believers. It's going to help you in your journey with God. And we're here to help you. We want nothing in return, honestly. Get a free Bible. We're not asking for anything. We want to help you on your journey with Jesus. One more time, church. Come on, can we give them a big, big hand? Grab a Bible on the way out. Thank you, Andrea. If you're watching online, we'll mail one out to you. Send us a text and we'll send the Bible to your home. Come on, anybody ready to make a difference in our city? Come on, anybody ready to shout a shout of victory? Because the walls are coming down in Jesus' name. I'm believing that for your life, for my life, for our city, for our world. Let's keep proclaiming. Let's keep walking, and God will do the working. Amen? Come on, let's pray. Then we're going to sing this song out one more time as we leave this place. With hands lifted, Father, we thank you. We love you. Thank you for today, Holy Spirit. Thank you for new faith, fresh faith. Thank you, God. We pray that more than just encouraging you, are edifying, build us up on the inside as we build our life on you. Help us to shine our light and make a difference in the world, God. Help us to see problems, address it. Help us to pray.